Good morning. Thank you guys so much for having me here. I uh, brought my beautiful wife, Anna, and our five-month-old, Eleanor. Um, if you've not met them yet, you should say hi to them after the service. Uh, so a few weeks ago, um, I was up at about 3.30 in the morning doing a middle-of-the-night feeding. If you have children, especially if you have older children, this is probably the first thing that you have worked to forget. Um, it's not a whole lot of fun, um, but we do it. Thank you. And uh, as uh, I was up in the middle of the night, uh, I turned on the news and I saw a, a commercial that has played over and over again. It seems like it's on every other commercial. It's that the new CVS commercial. I don't know if you've seen it, where uh, it opens and the voiceover just says, we believe. And there's a montage of different people doing things that signify belief. There's a woman who's blowing out her birthday candles, making a wish. Someone else breaking a wishbone, someone with a four-leaf clover, someone else uh, kneeling and saying a prayer. And uh, when I saw this commercial, it made me wonder uh, if we actually know the difference, practically speaking, in our lives, uh, the difference between making a wish and blowing out our birthday candles and having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if, if someone actually pushed you on that, would you be able to explain functionally in your life what the difference really is? Uh, we don't live as though there, there's much uh, difference between believing in Jesus uh, and just making a wish, blowing out our birthday candles or uh, finding a four-leaf clover. It, it's something that is almost magical. Uh, we treat God as though he's a vending machine more uh, than we do uh, the Lord of the universe who sent his son to die for us and there, there being real power behind our faith in him. We don't, we don't believe it like we should. Romans 4 is all about how we receive Jesus and how that is different than anything else that we believe in our lives. That receiving Jesus uh, beyond uh, just hoping that, that something works out for the best is different. And it's a hard concept for us to understand faith because we use this word in so many different ways that we don't really understand what it means. And so I'm sure that all of you have had a time where you've really wanted something to work out, uh, maybe a job that you've applied for, maybe a relationship, and someone just says, well, you just got to have enough faith and God will give it to you. You just got to believe and when I hear that, I start to think, uh, putting all of my positive thoughts and effort towards something isn't going to make it work out, is it? And we start to, to believe that the strength, uh, the, the, the strength and the sincerity of our belief is somehow linked to the outcome of our events. That it's actually the strength of our faith that changes things. And so for the most part, we see faith either as a magic vending machine where we come to God and uh, do the right things and so we get the outcome we want, or we just see it as blind trust based on no real information. 
And we'll see here in the book of Romans, all throughout the book, but especially in chapter four, that this is not how Paul talks about faith. Faith is knowing and receiving Christ and resting on him alone. Faith is not our perfect belief in God, but it's our humble and broken belief in a perfect God. And so I want us to very briefly this morning look at two points. Uh, How do we uh, receive and and live out biblical faith? Uh, And first is we have to have the humility to receive a gift. And second, the courage to look to Christ. And so first, the the humility to receive a gift. Verse 2 says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. It'll probably be helpful for you to just know as a a broad uh, understanding of the book of Romans that Paul is writing to a church uh, where he's never been, to people that he's never met. And so what he is doing in this letter is he is uh, trying to answer their questions, anticipating things that they would say back to him. Uh, And so he is sort of sitting in both seats of the interview chair. So he'll, he'll make a statement and then he'll ask a rhetorical question and then answer that question that he just asked, assuming that this is what the church would have asked, assuming that uh, it's what you and I would have asked. And so in chapter three, he talks about receiving faith as a gift, the righteousness of God. And then he goes on to give Abraham as an example. And he, he uses Abraham as an example because if anybody was good enough to receive salvation, to come and be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because he was good enough, it was Abraham. He, was the, he is the father of our faith. He had, he had the faith to lay his only son on an altar because the Lord asked him to. And Paul reminds us of what we already know, that God's grace is a gift for us that it is a gift for us to receive and there, there is no work that we can do to earn it. And actually we've done the exact opposite. We haven't just almost done enough to receive God's, God's grace, but we've actually done the exact opposite and we do not deserve the grace of God, but he gives it to us anyway. If you have uh, students in your life, you'll know that uh, finals season just ended for college students. Uh, It's a big time for them. It's a very stressful time. And uh, I was reminded of a friend that I had when I was in college uh, who signed up for what is still one of the hardest classes that you can take in school, anatomy and physiology. Uh, If you've taken it, you've struggled through it. And he signed up for this class and midway through, he just realized it was a whole lot more than he could handle. He didn't understand the content. He didn't study. And so he stopped going to class. Um, But instead of dropping the class, uh, he decided that um, he would just not show up and then show up to take the final. And so he did that having not read the textbook, having not heard a lecture, having not studied at all. Uh, And when he got his grade back, he'd received an A. And clearly shocked by this, uh, he went and he tried to figure out what happened. And he realized that he actually had the same last name as someone else enrolled in the class. And their grades got switched, and he got the A, and the person who had studied got an F. 
And at that moment, all morality aside, right, his, his, all he had to do was receive that grade. It was his. It was credited to his transcript. Not only had he done nothing to earn it, he actually had done everything to not earn it. And so Paul tells us faith is a gift, not based on our merit, but actually uh, despite our demerit. Since there is nothing that you uh, can do to earn God's favor, you have to acknowledge that it's a gift. But maybe you're one of those, those people who uh, still wants to protest. And, and I understand where you are to say, listen, I'm not that bad. I, I've actually done some pretty good things. I, I, I give my money away. I, I volunteer my time. You know, the entire family was talking about my mother-in-law and I didn't speak up. <laughs> I didn't talk about her over the holidays. I, I'm pretty good. And, and Paul here answers that very objection and says, Abraham was pretty good too. And he needed God's, he needed salvation uh, through God's grace. He needed that gift. And if he needs it, we need it too. And listen to what Paul says. He says, uh, continuing from verse 2, that if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. And the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal, the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. And there are a few practical uh, applications to this. It means that if, if you are one who, who uh, recognizes that you do good things, and, and I hope that you do, but your good works uh, mean nothing compared to a God who is so great that if you see yourself as one of the good people who, who needs to do everything right, you can actually rest. You can rest because you were not created to try to impress God. Because if, if you continue uh, down the road of self-righteousness, you will crash. Trust me, I know. I mean, I was the kid in high school that you would have hated. I was the, the uh, goody two-shoes Christian kid who's in youth group every Wednesday night, who um, played the sports, got the grades, had the friends, and that was my salvation. It's not sustainable because it's not how you were created. And so it means you can rest in the grace of God. You can actually receive it as a gift. And that can be enough. It also means uh, for those of us who are very aware that we are not the moral elite, that we have not done what we ought to do, that we haven't lived the way that we should have lived. It means that there's hope for you. I mean, Paul uses Abraham as, as his example to say that even the high bar can't be reached and you must receive God's grace as a gift. And so that means that anybody below actually has the free gift as well. 
And so it means that if you continue to beat yourself up over the way that you have lived, you can let the grace of God just melt your heart. Because the Lord of the universe loves you. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he sent his son for you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Just let it melt you. So we must humbly receive this gift, but we must also courageously look to Christ. Live by faith. So what does it mean to actually live by faith? To live out the faith of our fathers. Paul says to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So what does this mean? Here are a few thoughts. First, living by faith and looking to Christ looks like giving up control. It means trusting in faith that every word that Jesus has said is true, especially when it doesn't seem like it's true. Especially in the times where life is out of control, it actually frees you to know that Jesus has given you the gift of faith and given you the gift to walk through every day in faith, to, to live understanding during the difficult times in your life that God loves you and, and to look at your situation and to say, I don't know why this is happening and I may never know why but I know who is in control and I trust him and he is good. Living by faith, looking to Jesus in faith means that we can give up control. And it means that we have the freedom to struggle for the rest of our lives to sincerely believe that that's true. This passage also shows us that uh, looking to Christ uh, does not mean a living of faith without knowledge. That our faith is actually based on something concrete. That our faith is based on knowledge. For some reason, uh, we seem to, to think that there is this separation, there's this dichotomy between information and faith, between uh, fact and belief. That we can either have faith or knowledge, but we can't have both. But our faith is based on knowledge and trusting the Lord based on his revealed word. And there are all kinds of examples that try to explain what it means uh, to live based on uh, faith and understanding who Jesus is. Uh, and one that has stuck with me uh, is using the, the simple image of a chair, right? So I walked in to worship this morning. I put my stuff down. And I, I saw the chair in the back of the room. I maybe looked at it for a little bit and I sat on it. But it wasn't actually uh, my, my strong belief in that chair and even uh, my full understanding of how it was made that made that chair hold me. It held me because it was a strong chair. It held me because it was well made. And your faith in Jesus is, is much the same way. You may have weak faith. You may have strong faith, and I hope you do. But it's not ultimately your faith that gives you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
but it is the strength of the object of your faith. Whatever it is that you're trusting in, the strength of the object is where all of the power lies. And so the more that we study God's word, the more that we spend time with him in prayer, the more that we are in community with each other and growing and understanding our faith, the stronger it will grow because, the str- it will, because we will understand the object of our faith all the more. We will understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The third thing that we see in this passage of what it means to look to Christ, the one who's earned righteousness for us, is that faith changes the way that you live. One of my favorite quotes right now is from a pastor named Sinclair Ferguson who said, you are exactly to other people what you believe God has been to you. So when you believe the promises of God, and you begin to follow him by faith, it changes the way that you treat everybody around you. When you see your coworker as someone who's created in God's image, you won't want to gripe about him to everyone else in the office. Maybe go to him and love him. When you see your children as a blessing from the Lord, you can actually stop and be gracious to them. And stop uh, treating them like an inconvenience. But actually believe that God uh, was intentional in giving you the children that he gave you. When uh, you see yourself as a person with real dignity and worth and uh, having something to contribute to the world, uh, I'm speaking to myself, you can stop wasting your life on Netflix. And you can go out and you can be in relationships with people. And you can grow in grace. And you can spend time with the Lord. And you can begin to develop because faith in Jesus changes you. The way that you believe that God has been to you is the way that you'll be to other people. So so what is your life on a day-to-day basis saying about what you believe about God? And what you believe about faith in him? When you see by faith the way that God has loved you with a deep, never giving up, unending love, it changes you. Is God changing you? So the the church in Rome assumed that following Jesus meant following a bunch of rules. And once we check those off, we're accepted by him. That's why Paul is answering this question. But the Bible turns that on its head and it says, follow a person, love Jesus, put all your faith in him. And the more you do that, the more you follow him, the less you'll need the rules because you can't imagine living life any other way. Are you following Jesus this morning? Do you love him enough that you understand what it means to live by faith. Let's pray. Jesus, we do ask that uh, you would um, teach us, change us,